Hey guys, before today's episode of the podcast, I want you to text me 212-931-5731. If you don't, you're missing out. I'm putting all my eggs in the text basket. 212-931-5731. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. I communicate and I communicate from a place of empathy. And I think this is a very important point in this room. By show of hands, how many people here are in the B2B space, just for my own knowledge? Just raise them high, if you don't mind. And how many are B2C? Right, so what's really interesting, if you can keep the lights on, that'd be amazing, because I like the faces. Um, So this room is basically almost 50-50, based on the hands, and why this is a fun starting point for me is, I think this is all about context. And what I mean by that is, Regardless of what your ambitions are, whether you work within an organization, actually, how many people here own their own business, by show of hands? Quite a few, and then work in an organization? Great, so again, pretty split in a lot of ways. When you reverse engineer anything, like what are you up to, what do you want? Um, So many things can become far more clear. And the thing that I'm most passionate about is, we're living in a time right now, hey, what's up up there? Awesome. We're living in a time of massive communication disruption and everything is being reset. I grew up in a real interesting way where I was an enigma. I was, by being an 80s and early 90s kind of child, you know, being a very poor student was basically unacceptable. You know, for all the things I was accomplishing in my people here who refuse to produce content every single day on platforms when it is the easiest way, the easy, and I don't like using words like easy or stupid. I, there's a lot of words I don't love. I, hate, I really dislike the word easy, but the easiest way for every human sitting in this room to achieve whatever they're up to within an organization, building a business, things they wanna share to the world, the easiest way is to produce content daily for seven to 12 websites or apps or platforms. So much infrastructure companies, politics, businesses, press, all of it has been completely put to the side in your ability to achieve what you want direct to consumer at scale. And when I say direct to consumer, for the ones that raise their hand and have a business, that means your clients that you want to get. And for the employees, by putting out content and thoughts that may lead to being recruited to go somewhere where you will be valued. We are, we are stunningly in control because of the scale of the internet right now while shockingly confused by how much control we have. And, I, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. So in its most basic form, if you're trying to get B2B clients, and one more time, hands up, just for B2B, you're trying to, you must produce 10 pieces of content a day on LinkedIn. I'm gonna say, we're gonna go through it nice and slow. That's the beauty of a small audience. <laughs> you have to figure out, A, how you communicate best as an organization or as a single human. Are you good at writing? Are you good at in front of the camera? Many don't want to be in front of the camera because subconsciously they don't like the way they look and it makes them feel bad and that's fine. There's so many other variables that go into that. We can only tackle so many things at once. But that's, you don't, I, I, I get so stressed when I see people use me as an example of why you must make video. The example of me being somebody that proves that you should sign up for their video course or you must make video is not because video was good for me, it's because that I was self-aware 
that I'm better at video than I am at writing. Writing is dominant. Taking your phone and making a memo about a thought or an idea or a value prop, recording it and then posting it in audio form is a remarkable way to communicate. That's why Anchor did well and that's why Spotify bought Anchor. Like, writing four paragraphs on LinkedIn is an incredible idea. Making a video on the run with your iPhone is a good idea. We spend an enormous amount of time making excuses to why we don't produce content. My favorite, I don't have time. Uh, People think it's an equipment game. You don't have the right video production equipment, audio, lighting, just the sheer and stunning amount of excuses that we are putting out into the world to not actually produce, to then use that as the lead gen to what we would want to happen is, uh, is something I'm very passionate about addressing step by step by step of what are the insecurities that we are, uh, we are sitting with that stop us from doing it. LinkedIn's organic reach, if you have no followers, LinkedIn's organic reach right now is acting like Facebook did in 2011 and 12. You can have no audience, it can be the first time you post, you have to bring value, and this is very important. One of the great reasons I have the incredible luxury of sitting here tonight in this seat is because I have focused forever on bringing value because the end consumer is the only thing that matters. So you could make a video of like, you should hire my company, but that is a commercial for you. Or you could put out a piece of content that says seven things people need to think about before they throw an event. You could. And so when you put out that seven things people should think about that they don't normally think about before throwing an event because you actually have expertise and you know what I would not think of that you do know. When you put that on a LinkedIn form, in a video, in written form, in audio, with no audience and nobody paying attention or knowing who you are, you could literally create a LinkedIn account, make that your organic post, and you will have hundreds, if not thousands of people seeing it. That is not possible on Instagram. It's too saturated now, and when you post, you get three people to see it. Facebook's organic reach is gone as well. How many people here are aware of the phenomenon of what Facebook pages was for the last six or seven years, and people that jumped six or seven years ago organically got the benefit of becoming an influencer or building a business? Raise your hands. Good. Everyone's hand should have went up, but let me, since they didn't, I'm just gonna assume you're not lazy and I'll give you the answer. Much like email open rates in 1997, which anybody who started an email service dominated because it was new and everybody read all their emails. Much like Google AdWords when it came out in 2000, 2001 I think, when I was doing it, every word was five cents a click. Nobody had built up everything and that was the golden era. Much like going on Twitter first and amassing a million followers because everybody followed everybody, that was the rule. Much like being early on Instagram or anything else, much like real estate, if you're right and you land grab, it works out. On Facebook, it was one of the biggest phenomenons. I would say email, I would say Google search, and then I would say Facebook. People that built Facebook pages in 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, when they amassed big followings, when they posted, the majority of people that followed that page saw it and people crushed. 
Then over time, people realized Facebook was real. Companies started spending money and the ads took over a percentage of the feed and all of a sudden, people who had a million followers on their page would have 40,000 people see it whereas only two years earlier, they had 300,000 followers and they had 200,000 people see it. Organic reach, not paying for ads. Right now on LinkedIn, the organic reach is wildly good. You don't have to spend a dollar. You just have to spend the effort to be educated on how and then you have to actually do. TikTok. The same phenomenon's happening on TikTok. I have empathy why a lot of people will say, well that is not where my audience is, but that would be because people are playing checkers and they're not playing chess and they don't realize that the number one influencer on buying things in America is the mom and the person that influences the mom the most is the daughter. You could have an entire strategy on targeting 14 year old girls on TikTok to make a business transaction happen with the mom. You could. A, you have to have the strategy and the knowledge to know what I just said is true. Two, you then have to put out content that inspires a 14 year old to tell their mom about it, which is no easy task. (laughs) That's a creative struggle. You have to be very clever, but it's not impossible. But the amount of organic reach on that platform, and for whatever reason, if your side hustle or your actually job creates a world where you're trying to market to 12 to 18 year olds, you should be spending 50 to 70% of your time on TikTok. The growth is uncomfortable. And it is the only platform right now in the world that has the potential to dethrone Instagram as the top app in culture. It may not age up the way that Vine and you know, Social Cam and others did not, but it might. Because I will remind all of you that Instagram started off as a app to help people take better photos and had filters. Or Facebook was a college only social network. These things age up. So this is what I spend all my time on. Underpriced attention. What is overpriced attention? What is underpriced attention? There's a lot of people in this room who do marketing behaviors that work for them. I get unbelievable amounts of emails and phone calls and conversations and interactions and DMs from people that say, Gary, you talk about Facebook ads as a better thing for a local business, but I'm doing really fine, well, with my direct mail. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know, they're like, you're wrong. I'm crushing with direct mail. I'm like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, what do you spend on your direct mail? $8,000 on these campaigns. I'm like, cool. Have you ever spent $8,000 on a well-crafted, multi-different pieces of content in a three-mile radius Facebook ad campaign? And the answer is no. I would find it very hard for this room to believe that a perfectly executed campaign in digital would lose to something that was printed on a tree. (laughs) You may believe it, and I have empathy for that, but I have yet to see the true A-B test where it's done well on both fronts, not because direct mail or print or radio or television doesn't work, it's because you can only make one piece of creative. And to get somebody to do something, you have to be relevant to them. When I want to make something happen, I have the ability to cast 14 different demographics in that photo if I choose. When I look around this room, we look different. We resonate to different things. 
I find it hard to believe that you think you're gonna convince a 28-year-old white male decision maker in a corporate office in Midtown is gonna react the same way and compelled to do something than a 63-year-old Latino woman making that decision in a company in Cincinnati. We need relevance. You need content at scale around a lot of things. We have the opportunity to actually do that now. But the sheer lack of education on what's available to us on these platforms is staggering. I've become stunningly silent around almost everything in the world because I've realized I must be really, really undereducated on everything because the conversations people have with me around marketing are laughable. There are people sitting in this room right now that have real conviction around their belief on what and how these things work but have never run an ad on it. (laughs) You've literally decided if LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or podcast advertising can or cannot work for your business yet you've never run an ad on it. (laughs) I'm fascinated by that. It also made me realize that's probably my points of view on healthcare and many other issues and so I need to shut up. And so I've been quiet about things I don't know. So, couple things that I'd like to talk about. I believe that everybody here who feels what I'm about to say is a possibility should then do. If you believe that you can start a podcast in your sector, so you gotta level up, it can't be about your business, it needs to be about your sector. I didn't start a wine show about wine library, I started a wine show. If you believe you can start a podcast in your sector and you know it's true what I'm about to tell you which is there are no costs associated with the podcast. It is literally hit the record button on your iPhone or Samsung, whatever you have and talk. Um, You should. The growth of audio consumption is remarkable and will continue to go because we love to do many things and we love the passive nature of that consumption. How many people here now listen to a podcast at some level of regular basis? Raise your hands. Raise them high, I want everybody to see this. Raise them high if you are. I want everybody to look around, get a little bit of look. Put your hands down. How many of those people were not, were not listening to podcasts four years ago? Raise your hand. Raise them high. This is my job. My job, what I do, is basically on an everyday basis, I day trade what humans are doing in consumption and then I decide how to be good at filling it with something valuable. The reason most people aren't successful on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and podcast is because they're making selfish content, not selfless content. You're putting out what you want to sell to somebody for you, not making something that brings value to somebody else. There is very to no little romance in marketing. Everybody's going in for the close. It's not marketing, it's actually sales. Which is why it doesn't work. And so, one of the challenges everybody here has to think about as they think about a strategy if they're gonna buy into what I'm saying here tonight which is if you're not producing content on a daily basis and putting it out on one to eight of these platforms a day, the relevance and the leverage that you're looking for is dwindling by the second because somebody else is. If you believe that to be true, you must challenge yourself on two very basic things that I've been talking about. One, how do you communicate? 
video, written, audio. Two, you have to provide value. This, I wrote a book several years ago called Jab, 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 Right Hook. And the premise was give, 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 and then ask. And it was because I was noticing everybody was posting on Facebook and, and Twitter at the time, just everything was for them. Everything was for them. And it was bringing no value and people were not building community. And then ironically, it really helped a lot of people who are actually hippy-dippy in the other direction. There's a lot of people out there who do actually put out value quite a bit who really struggle with asking for, for something in return and then they complain about being taken advantage of and then I just asked one basic question was, have you asked for the business? No. And so it was a great framework. It brought a lot of value to a lot of people which made me feel great and it continues to be a very, I mean this stuff is so basic. Like, if I'm, like I'm sitting and listening to myself talk right now, I'm like this is so basic. <laughs> Yet nobody's doing it. And what isn't basic is two things. Having the ability to understand the culture of who you're targeting and what they give a shit about, right? Layering what's current is very difficult. Understanding the slang terminology, the trigger points, the temperature is, is a difficult challenge. And then also understanding the nuances of the platforms. I think one of the things, how many people here consume my content? By just show of hands, just for my own context? A, thank you, and B, I think a lot of you just raise your hands. You know I scream about this constantly. Watch what I'm doing, not what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not making content on Instagram right now that are popular memes with my head on it for my health. I'm doing it because I know there's something that's working. I'm not making cartoons on LinkedIn, comic strips, because I think it's funny. I'm doing it because there's something there. If you see me do something thematically the same on a platform a third or fourth time, it means I already know it works. <laughs> Understand? Like, that, like that's, I'm really trying to think about, like as I continue to evolve, like that was the detailed version of watch what I'm doing, not what I'm saying. I'll do a lot of stuff once. I posted, the, I posted a couple weeks ago an Instagram video upside down. Like, I, I posted something with a black screen. I'm like trying so many things because I don't fear One of the things that blows me away is people are posting the same stuff over and over because they want to hit some subjective requirement of how many likes they get that they're accustomed to that there's, that's the waterline for themselves. They're so scared to do something new because if it doesn't get as many likes as my other stuff, I'll be sad. Some high school And it goes way deeper. I have crazy conversations with people that show way too much skin, say, talk about things they don't actually believe in, are actually sad because they're just completely that insecure around a vanity metric. It's why I'm pushing for and advocating and cheering for the fact that Instagram's thinking about hiding likes. And as somebody who has plenty of followers, if every one of these platforms eliminated showing people how many followers people had, I'd be more than happy about that too. But those little tactical things don't solve the truth. People love to blame social media. There is no social media. There's only us. Twitter didn't make you type that dumb (laughs) We are living through the greatest era of judgment and complete lack of accountability. Parents are on full tilt 
angry at social media and technology, but not acknowledging that they're treating their children like products, not like people. We have a lot going on, and we all know it, in a very big way. However, ironically, those are the same trigger points that allow so much fruitfulness that you're looking for. You just need to use these tools for your advantage, not for your disadvantage. This goes back down to who you are. Are you patient enough to provide value to enough people to reap the benefits in the long term? Or are you looking for it now? The utter lack of patience is remarkable and leads to incredibly bad behavior, which leads to behavior that brings little to no value, and now you're competing with the world. What people are struggling with is understanding you're competing with the world. We're competing against everybody, every day. And every day more competition, not less. The cost of entry to be in business is goose egg. It's so easy. There's no upfront cost. It's not buying a storefront. Your capital is not your advantage. It's why big companies are in trouble. Your content, your context, and most of all, my friends, I promise you, your intent is your advantage. There's nothing wrong with building something for yourself. I just want to remind you that whoever brings the most value to the end consumer wins. There's a very specific reason that Netflix and Amazon are having a good run. We like what they're doing for us. You can come up with a lot of other things. It's awfully convenient to have free shipping and they are the next day at the best price. (laughs) You like that. You may have a social point of view on what they pay and this and that, guess what? Do you know that, do you know the amount of people that unsubscribe things for a week to make a point because they're a keyboard warrior on social and then resubscribe to it a week later? (laughs) So, punchline being this, if I leave with anything here, and I know we're going to some Q&A, but I think they're doing here, but maybe I'll sneak something in the crowd because I'm rogue like that. But if I leave with anything, I, I have to leave you with this. I'm telling you, and I'm telling you with all my heart, if you do not produce content for Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, a podcast, if you are not producing content on those platforms, I'm telling you you're in big trouble. It, you may not feel it today because you have a good reputation or you've got a historic book, but you are vulnerable. You are absolutely vulnerable. And I don't understand how you don't spend the 25 hours on Google searching things you don't know. Inevitably, after a talk like this, or a meeting like this, somebody's like, but Gary, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you didn't know how to drive. You figured it out. You didn't know how to parent. You didn't know how to kiss. You didn't know how to do anything. And there's an incredible website. It's called Google. (laughs) How do I post on LinkedIn? Enter. How do I make a podcast? Enter. We are, we are using so many excuses because what's really happening in our culture more than anything is people are talking big game but their actions don't map to their ambitions. You must put in the 50 to 100 hours to become educated on how to become a content provider for the websites and apps that control our society's attention. You may not like that people are on their phone all day. People didn't like Elvis or Tupac. (laughs) You don't get to judge what society's doing. You need to really look deeper. Kids are more social than ever. Kids are more social than ever. 
you, you think that they don't go out and play, but they talk to way, way more people on Twitch than you ever talked to. Let me remind everybody here over 40, when we all went outside and played, if your friend happened to be punished or at his aunt's, you were <laughs> You were social with your basketball by yourself. We are, we are basic, my friends. We as a society, as a business community, as individuals are very basic right now with our conversation. We must ladder up to what's happening. You must take advantage of the opportunity because if you don't, somebody is going to and that is going to double impact your reality. So, you don't like the term personal brand? Good news, call it reputation. That's how I see it, right? We are in semantics. People are judging the term personal. Gary, personal brands what about reputation? Oh, that's the most important thing. It's the same Donnie. <laughs> We're in the semantics business right now and we must get out of it. And the way to get out of it is by doing. What the internet is doing is it's suffocating everything in the middle besides the communication and the product or service you're providing. What it's doing is suffocating everything in the middle besides the idea and making the idea. Figure out how to put yourself in a position to make on these places and you will have far more success than you can imagine. It's just gonna take time and it is completely predicated on the value you're able to provide. I just basically gave a 40 minute talk on the following thing. Hey guys, it's a really good idea to be good at basketball. I really think that you should become a professional NBA player. The part that matters though is the practice and the execution and the talent. The ROI of a basketball for LeBron James is going to be billions and billions and billions of dollars. For me, we're into the negatives because I've had three or four surgeries. And so what's really exciting for me to leave with is this. Make, but be self-aware. Self-awareness is absolutely one of the most important things we must talk about in our society because it is the quickest path to happiness. Once you accept what you're good at and not good at, things can get far more interesting. I'm not sitting up here saying you can do it. I'm saying you need to figure out how you best communicate and then put in a ton of work and then eventually reap the benefits if you're capable of putting out things that actually bring value to the people that you're trying to do things with. One of the great ways to figure out what to put out is to listen. I seem like I'm always talking because of the nature of the framework of the content that I put out at scale across all these platforms. But 90% of my behavior is listening. The entire way up here, I'm reading comments and emails. I'm paying attention to what people talk about and are interested in. That's how I get to hypotheses or investing in things early. It's because I'm listening. Empathy. Empathy is the foundational skill set that we must absolutely challenge ourselves to try to develop more of. It leads to a lot of good and I highly recommend it. Thank you. Okay, get up here. How are you? I'm with the photography. Take the picture. <laughs>
So we have a couple of questions. For you. I love your nail polish. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, you speak about how important posting on social media is. And you kind of touched on that. How do you know when it's too much and when you are potentially losing the attention of your audience? Uh, the way the algorithms work, the answer is there's no such thing as too much. I want to remind people why social networks are actually aligned with our interests. I laugh when people talk about the social networks are making, the social networks are businesses. Their business works, if you stay on the social network, you see an ad, they make money. The social networks have enormous data. They will spend every ounce of their life trying to put things in front of you that you have proven to them through all your behaviors that you actually like. I can open up every single person's Instagram right now, go to the explore page, and know a lot more about you than you think. (laughs) Right? And so, you can't get overexposed because as somebody stops engaging or staying on your content, because they're no longer interested in you, the platform itself stop showing it to you. There is no overexposure in 2020. This isn't 1984 where Madonna can go on the four big TV shows, MTV, be on the cover of four magazines, and everybody knows everything. We live in fragmentation. I genuinely believe that to be true. So what was the first moment in your career when you felt like you finally arrived and made it? Or do you feel that? You know, I think the answer is both, right? I've clearly had moments where good things have happened. Um, you know, the first year I ran my dad's liquor store, it went from three to $10 million in sales, and for a small business and a family immigrant business, that's making it, you know? Um, and then, like, different things have come along, um, but at the same token, I, I'm not in it for the trophies. I'm obsessed with my process. Even my great dream of owning the New York Jets is far more predicated on it's such a big dream that it's gonna allow me to play for so long. I genuinely think one of the days that might be most depressing in my life is when I buy the Jets. <laughs> a lot of people in here that actually know exactly what I'm saying. There are people in here who have gotten lucky, and I do think it's a lucky trait that they love the process more than the things that come along with the, I love entrepreneurship. I loved it when very few looked at it the way they look at it today. I loved it so much that I was willing to take so much pain as a child from grown-ups constantly berating me. That's how much I loved it. I loved it so much that I was incapable of checking the box of even school because it was so against the actual framework of what was my true calling. Now everybody loves it because it's cool. You talk about self-awareness. Is there something that you can leave with the audience that would help them no, that's above my pay grade. I don't really, I don't, I don't really, I mean it. I don't really know. The one hack I have seen is if you can build relationships with people that make them not fear telling you the truth because of the way you behave, you may be able to put yourself in a spot where you can get feedback from people and you might be able to see yourself through their eyes, which may give you an indicator to what you're good or not good at, at the moment. That's good, that's good. I love this from Jana. 
If you had to choose one value and any and only one value to hold on to for the rest of your life, right? What concept, principle, or value would that be, and why? Uh, it would be that kindness is always right. I think, here's why. I'd like to live a long, long life, and I think people are very confused. I think people are confused in that negativity and cruelty actually does have success, but it's just short term. And so, I think most people are confused. That bad behavior does have an ROI. It is always short term, depending on how one defines short term, and depends on how clever one is with cruelty and how much control one has. But this game is simple. This is a very simple game. Kindness is always the right answer because at the end of the day, I think people are not thoughtful enough in knowing what's actually going on in other humans' bodies. They can see somebody doing something very wrong and Outwardly, that person may make it seem like she or he is winning and we're frustrated, but deep down, they're losing and they know it. You know, when I go back to your journey and you know, the work that you did with your parents and taking their small business from a small business to a huge um, successful business, and my understanding is you did it all to honor them. Yeah, I think one of, the, one of the fun digs that people who don't love me as much always put out about me is like, you can't listen to him. He, his parents gave him a million, like, you know, what a lot of people don't know, though I have shared more often because I don't want people to use excuses, is, you're right, I, you know, listen, what my father and mother, and, but my father in building business did to come to this country with nothing and then build a business that does $4 million a year you know, in a short period of time is remarkable. Uh, I, I think equally remarkable to me taking it as a kid to, you know, four to 60 uh, in revenue. What, what is the singular proudest accomplishment of my professional life and maybe even my entire life is the fact that I walked into that business as a 22 year old kid. It's a family business. The business is what we were feeding, not ourselves. So I never paid my, I mean the first four years of my career, I made 37, 42, 40, the number, I I have to go actually look at my, but like I never made, in the first four years I made less than $50,000 a year. I lived super humbly in the villas in Springfield, New Jersey, nothing fancy, like just worked and built this huge business and left that business at 34 years old to start VaynerMedia and I owned 0% of the business because family businesses if, how many people here are in a family that has a family business? So as you all know, family businesses are very basic. It's the old ladies or old mans until they die and then you get a shot at it. And so there was no sharing, you know, there was no equity plan. There was, there was I walked in, I, I basically in essence got compensated like an executive because I, I left at 34 with nothing, but unlike an executive, most executives that come into something and grow it from four to 60 get compensated extremely well. 
I was the other way, because it's just true. You're, you know, and my dad took the same paper, like, it wasn't like anybody, but I left at 34, I had no bank credit, I had no money to my name, I started VaynerMedia in the office of Buddy Media, and you're absolutely right. I walked in with conviction and deep passion that I was gonna spend the next 15 years of my life bleeding for my parents the way they bled for me because I'm grateful that they took me out of the Soviet Union and put food on my plate and put a roof over my head and loved me and built me and I think that most kids are ridiculous with the way they treat their parents and expect their parents to take care of everything. And most parents are ridiculous because they're quietly subsidizing their kid's life because they want to make pretend their kids are successful because they don't want judgment from other parents. Not as many claps. (laughs) And and I'm very grateful my my parents' framework was self-esteem building, huge loving, truly all the right things, but no entitlement, no fourth place trophies, real results, real and, and I felt compelled to give back because I knew I could. I felt the talent in me. I love my family. It was fun. Uh, and, it's the, and, and, and when I tell people to be patient and all this, I started over at 34 after building a monster. And if I had the patience to do that, whatever you're crying about, you can do too. that I gave more than I took. Because the world's abundant. Like, like I, I watch people hate on other people's success and I'm like, you do understand that's not coming out of your pocket. <laughs> it's really important. I will tell you right now, if you actually believe what I just said, if you play with that, if anything you play with after this and like let it go, you figure that out You'll be stunned how happy you can get. It's just not coming out of your pocket. You can't stop winners. I have a lot of other alpha women and men I'm competing with in the game. I, I cheer for them. I get fired up when I see Maverick Carter dominate or Scooter Braun dominate or Sarah Blakely dominate. Like, you're not stopping winners. You talking about them or trying to stop them never works. Winners win. As a winner, there's just nothing any of you can do. (laughs) You like that one? It's a good, it's actually true, because you have to understand the framework of a winner, she doesn't dwell. She doesn't think somebody else has control. She or he navigates. They're not devastated by a micro loss. Scarlet letters, kind of almost, I'm excited when I lose. I like when people see a project of mine didn't work or we lose a client or something didn't go as well or the way I'm hustling empathy wines now, it's winning but I made too much wine so I gotta hustle. Like you know, like I like those moments. My favorite Rocky is when he lost it all and went back to Philly. I'm being dead serious. I like the game. I'm about the dirt. I'm just about the dirt. I'm not interested in the fancy I just want to beat people. (laughs) But, but, I want to create context on this. 
in a sports way. I wanna beat all of you in business. I mean it with all my heart. Nothing would make me more upset than if you're more successful than me. (laughs) In the competition. But then in real life, on the walk, I'm pumped. I'm thrilled that Scott Belsky and Chris Saka were better investors than me during that era. You know why? They deserve it. They made better decisions than I did. You can't love the game and then be sad when somebody played it better than you. Which is why my ambition is to be the greatest entrepreneur of all time and I believe, at least in one man's definition of it, that just making the most money can't be the definition of the greatest entrepreneur. I think I will build a huge business, I think I will make plenty of money because I don't think you can be the best entrepreneur and not make a dollar. But I think when this is all said and done, I will be the entrepreneur of this era that helped the most entrepreneurs win too. Yes. Is there a question that you wish somebody would ask you but they never have? Absolutely not. (laughs) And let me answer it in a way that's gonna put such a nice little cherry on this Sunday we cooked up today. When there's a question that I wish that people would ask me, I just put it out. Right? Like, I don't need to be at the mercy of 1987 and have somebody interview me. If I have something to say, I'll put it out now. The end. So the answer is no, and that's because I understand the communication framework we live in. And so the answer would have been absolutely back in the day because I was at the mercy. My friends, nobody's in control. Don't get it twisted. Nobody's in control. The only person that's in control is you. The internet is crazy. Everybody in this room, including fancy old me, is grossly underestimating it. Grossly. You're starting to underestimate it less because the world's been very interesting the last five years. We see things. We see things like the growth of nationalism. We see the growth of great movements that are bringing great conversations to the forefront that we wish we had a long time ago. And most of all, what's really happening is we're not changing, we're getting exposed. And in that exposure, we need to face a lot of things. And you gotta take one step back to take two steps forward. This era of business and politics and social issues will be viewed upon in 100 years as the greatest era because this is when we started getting real with ourselves which asked us and challenged us and then finally made us adjust. Take advantage of that. Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.